Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. If you were asleep at the wheel at seven minutes and 12 seconds, I am happy to wake you up with my loud entrance. I am Taylor Schroll. This is Forte Catholic. Uh, we are recording this live from the Red Sea Radio Studios in College Station, Texas. It is a beautiful day today. Getting towards the, uh, the, I can't believe we're in August. I said that last week, but this summer went by so crazy, and it went by so fast. See, it's going by. It's it's been so crazy that I can't even say correct sentences. So, um, I'm going to talk about busyness a little bit today, because when I I'm just going to open up my heart to you a little bit today. When I get busy, my faith life suffers. When I get busy, I get stressed out, and then I'm like, I have so many things that I need to work on that I just need to do, 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 and I'm just like, there's no room in here for prayer. But the good thing is that I've been around the church long enough. I've I've have this this um you know this this uh foundation to fall upon whenever things are aren't going well. But honestly, even with that foundation and all the time I've spent in the church, it's still difficult whenever I'm stressed out and I don't want to pray. And that's where I've been for for weeks into months, just so busy that I haven't wanted to pray. And the the one of the blessings that I have is that I'm surrounded by people, both friends, family, uh, and and at work that that challenge me and encourage me. Um, that expect me to continue praying even when I don't feel like praying. So it's not that I haven't prayed in weeks or months. It's just that I haven't necessarily wanted to. I've, I've done it out of obedience to the Lord. And there was, a, there was a time at the beginning of this summer where I went on retreat. And you know, a lot of people, there's that time of, of conversion or that time where you recommit your life to Jesus, <clears throat> where you commit to him as your Lord and Savior. And I've done that a few times. I had my initial conversion. I did it the first time. And then kind of throughout my life, I've had to, to recommit. I've fallen off or life or the faith life hasn't been as important to me. And I recommit by, giving, by making Jesus, okay, you really are the Lord and Savior of my life. And at the beginning of this summer, as I was praying, I was praying with uh, at this retreat in the midst of all this busyness. So in the midst of all this busyness, I, our staff just stopped what we were doing, and we went to this retreat center and spent time in community and fellowship and a lot of time in prayer. <clears throat> and at this retreat, I wanted to commit my life. It's like, Jesus, thanks for being the Savior, but I want to commit to you as Lord, because I had been in this time of not wanting to pray and wanting to just, at at the very least, be obedient to God as Lord. And so I've just been, since then, just trudging through prayer, like, I know I'm supposed to pray at least 30 minutes a day. I'll do it. There are days that, you know, it got busy and, and it didn't happen. It was more scattered, not as committed, but for the most part, just kind of trudging through, trucking along, knowing I'm supposed to do it, know, knowing that there are still good things happening because of my prayer, just still not having that feeling of wanting to do it. And I want to talk about answered prayers because throughout that entire time, I was um, stressed about work, stressed about money, stressed we're having a baby, like we're stressed about all of these things. So my two biggest prayers throughout that entire time were, God, I, I want to want to pray. I desire to have the desire to pray. So that's what I was asking for. I was like, God, you know me. You know that when I don't want to pray, the chances of me actually doing it are, are dr- drastically different than the days that I want to pray. So I said, I, I really want this desire. I want you to bless me with this. And it was um, last week, in between this week's show and last week's show, that for the first time in months, I realized that that prayer was answered. I would get home from my busy day, get home late, hang out with my family. And then I had, for the, for, especially in this four-day span, it's still going on, but this intense four-day span where I just had this desire, this deep desire to be in God's word, to spend time in prayer and these sorts of things. And I was looking back on it and just so thankful 
that God directly answered a prayer. It has not happened for me in a long time. And one of the reasons that I want to share this story is that I feel like I, I know I'm not the only person who has had this happen before. You get stuck in a rut in your spiritual life. You feel like, is God even there? Does he even hear me? And I, the things that got me through were, as I said, my community, the people that helped me and urged me on, but also knowing from my previous experiences that God was real, he loves me, has a plan for my life, he cares about me, he wants what's best for me. But even knowing those things, I still slipped and fell. So I asked for this desire. And what I want to share with you today, if you're struggling, if you feel like your prayer is not doing anything, if you uh, are committed to Jesus, but you haven't been praying, hear this. God's a God who answers prayers. He really, really is. And this wasn't the only prayer that I had answered in this last week or two. <clears throat> I think it was about, about a little over, a little less than two weeks ago. That what was my other big stressor? It was finances. We're having a baby. And one of the big stressors is that not only there are extra, you know, there's fees to have a baby, there's extra, you know, things you have to buy when you have another person that you're in charge of, all these sorts of things, but also my wife and I's cars only fit five people, which our family's gonna be five people, but here's the deal. It's gonna be two big people. Three small people who need to be in wheelchairs. Not wheelchairs, but <laughs> not unless they're bad. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh, we were speaking of that. We were driving up to Ohio and there was this like billboard from like, you know, it says like blah, 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 blah from God, right? And this one, it was like in Kentucky or something. It was like, if you read the Bible, you'll chastise your children. And I was like, that's that's all that's it? And like, that's what you chose from the Bible to put on the billboard. It's like, I like it's not that I don't agree with that. But that's your focus. I was like, whatever. Okay, so back to the story. My children are not in wheelchairs. They're in car seats. Yes, that's the, that's the real deal. So in both of our cars, three car seats would not fit in the, in the car. So I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, we got to sell one of these cars. I need to find some way to get money to buy a a van, a minivan, or at least you know a Tahoe, or you know something that's bigger. But we were looking at minivans because of the price range; they're a little bit cheaper than some of those big SUVs, that sort of thing. So, another interesting thing about how God works. And last week we celebrated Saint Ignatius's feast day, and his the famous quote attributed to him is that work as though everything depended on you, pray as if everything depended on God. And most of the time in my life, if you know me, you know that I'm, I'm totally down with the work as if everything depended on you. <laughs> I got that, that work, that work ethic that I've had from a very young age, from my, from my dad, from my coaches. Like, that's, that's good. I got that. Pray as if everything depended on God a little harder for me. Like, I want to control these situations. I trust God, but I want to have my hand in it, too. And I want, I want to share this story with you and how it played out because it was how God showed me, nah, dude, I, I got this. Let me do this for you, right? Because most of you know that I'm a missionary, so my, all of my salary is, is fundraised. It's actually like 80-something percent of my salary is fundraised. So this is like people partnering with me monthly. Um, some people can give one-time donations that helps with you know, random things that come up, all these sorts of things. So I live off the generosity of other people. And so my plan was there was a guy that, that worked with us. His name was Justin. I love him to death. He's a brother to me. He just got a van from his dad. He was going to buy it from him. And, and he was like, I want to get a smaller car. I was like, I have a smaller car. You have a big van. I was like, let's trade. He was like, no, your cars are old. I don't want your car. But I'll sell you the van. So we had this van lined up. Five thousand dollars for the for this van. It was gonna be it was gonna be really good. But I was like, I don't have five thousand dollars. So as a missionary, what I did was what all the missionary books tell you not to do. All the fundraising books tell you not to do. I posted on Facebook because most of the time you need to ask people in person. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna post on Facebook, and then what I'll do is I'll I'll call people and be like, hey, 
I don't know if you saw on Facebook, we're having a baby, blah, 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 blah. We need a car, blah, 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 everything I just told you. So that was the plan. And everybody told me it wouldn't work. But God wanted to, God wanted to bless me in that, right from the beginning. And from, from that Facebook post, I was like, primarily we're trying to raise $5,000 in the next month or two to, to buy this car. All donations are you know tax deductible. It's tithing, all this kind of stuff, right? And I was like, oh, also, if you want to partner monthly, that would help with the cost of the baby and all these kinds of things. So in like the first day, I had somebody partner with me and my family for $100 a month. And like within the next week, I had somebody else partner with us for $50 a month. So I'm like, this is sweet. You know, I got, this is going to help with the, the bills when the baby comes, all these sorts of things. And then um, somebody gave $350. One of my regular, normal monthly donors, who may or may not be my sister. Hey. <laughs> um, she's a regular monthly donor, but she gave a little extra, quite a bit extra of a one time to go to the card f- car fund. And then other people in my family were like, we're going to give one time above our normal gift too. So people were being extra generous, right? We got to a total of $850 in one time gifts with, without me really asking anybody in person. It was just on Facebook and I had planned on doing it in the next few weeks. But as I told you, like my life's been really, really busy. So it kept getting pushed off, pushed off, pushed off. I wasn't able to call people. And then um, so he- here I am. I need five thousand dollars. I got eight fifty here. If I sell the car, I can get some here. And then I was like, okay, I can I can make some more money. All these kind of things. I can we, we I can make this work, right? I I I I I I can make this work through the generosity of other people. But it's going to be because I asked, right? So here's the the thing that knocked me to the floor. This family h- here in town who will remain anonymous shot me an email and they said, Hey, about a month ago, a few weeks ago, we saw your post on Facebook and, uh, we have been very blessed this year financially and we're going to get another van. Would you like ours? And I, I like, don't cry much. I've done it like maybe four or five times in my adult life. Uh, and, uh, I'm sitting in my office and one of my coworkers walks in as I just finished reading this. I'm like, shut up. I'm not crying. You're crying. And they're like, what? <laughs> they have no idea what's happening, right? And it's like somebody just gave me what I needed and one of the biggest things that was stressing me out. And what God really wanted to show me in this is God saying, I want to provide for you through these people, right? Because this family said that they had been praying about it for the three weeks, four weeks since I posted about it, and that they had, that God had put it on their hearts to donate this van. And so not only am I sitting there, I have goosebumps now, I was crying then, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> God wanted to show me that God's up there saying, look, Taylor, I see you working as if everything depended on you. And I'm proud of you. I bless you for, for what you did. But this was all me, right? This was all God through the generosity of this family. And I just sat there floored, and I'm weird, so I immediately started thinking of these Old Testament stories. <laughs> it's like, that, that's where my mind should go, right? But in the Old Testament, there's a few times where God is leading, his, he tells his people to go to war. It's like whenever they're going into the Holy Land, he tells his people, like, I have set this land apart from you. There are other people in it. Go get them out of, out of this land. This is your land. This land is your land. This land is my land. It wasn't America. I'm kidding. Um, but there were many battles where God said, go fight. And he, he just led them to fight, and they fought valiantly, and they won. Kind of on their prowess, right? There were other battles. If you think of the famous story with, with Moses and Aaron, where Moses, whenever, the, whenever Moses is praying with his hands lifted up, then the people, then the Israelites are winning the battle. Joshua, Moses' right-hand man, is being pretty active. He's, lead, he's the one 
in the valley leading this, leading this charge. So I love this story because it's a balance of there are people praying and there are people fighting, doing, working hard. And there are also people helping Moses to pray. So I was thinking about this whole thing. It's like, okay, there have been people supporting me when I don't feel like praying, when I get tired, just like Moses was physically getting tired, right? And then there's Joshua's who are down there fighting. And there's this beautiful combination between the prayer and the work. And then the real story that I was thinking of, one of my favorite stories in scriptures, and I'm, I'm loosely translating this story, but here's the deal. There's one battle where God tells, tells the Israelites, get ready, it's going to be a huge battle tomorrow, you're going to charge in. And it was like a battle that they may or may not actually win. They weren't really confident. And then he says, you know, I'll be with you. And they're all like, okay, we're going to fight. God, we got this. And then when they go to sleep that night, God rushes through the enemy camp and kills them all. So, like, there are sometimes, this is, this is it. This, these people offering my family to bless my family with this minivan were like that Old Testament story where God's like, Hey, remember that time you thought you were going to go in and win this war? I already won it and you were asleep. <laughs> so I share this with you because God wants to bless us. He wants to be with us and he wants us to ask for things. I was thinking about maybe one of the reasons why I wasn't having prayers answered is probably because I wasn't asking for specific things. Then I asked for specific things. And they happened. Not necessarily the way I thought they would, but they happened. And then one last little point. As I was looking back at when I first started feeling this desire to pray, it was after weeks of asking for it, and I started desiring to pray on a Wednesday. Tuesday, I went to confession for the first time in two months. So it was, it was, I didn't even realize it until about almost a week later. This was last week. It was a week ago. Right when I started desiring to pray and God answered this prayers was him blessing me for humbling myself before him and going to reconcile with him in the sacrament of confession. So I hope you enjoyed that story. I hope that it does something for you. It was so impactful in my life. So I really wanted to start the show off by sharing it with you. We will be right back with Carlos Zamora, a gangster-turned-devout Catholic. Alrighty, we are back. You are listening to Forte Catholic on Red Sea Radio. If you're just joining us, welcome in either live or you're listening on the podcast. It is a great to be here having you tune in today. And I am so privileged today to be talking to a man I've been looking forward to interviewing here for a couple of, a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months now, Mr. Carlos Zamora. Carlos, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm a little tired, but I'm using all the energy I got left for this radio show. At 8 o'clock, I'm just going to pass out. How's that sound? Sounds like a deal. Yeah, so Carlos, uh, I, I've seen you from afar for a while, and we just started talking. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to, to know you a little bit more and, and l- allowing the audience to get to know you a little bit more as well. Um, I know that you're, you're the, a rapper, hip-hop artist. Is there a difference? I was wondering. It's a difference between a rapper and a hip-hop artist. But you know what? I think anybody can rap, and they call themselves a rapper. But I think, you know, somebody who puts together just some authentic music, you know, and really just creates songs that, that can really, you know, I'm sorry, resonate with the people, that's a hip-hop artist, I think. That's, that's the difference to me. When you say everyone can rap, you're, I'm assuming you haven't heard my mixtape from when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> hey, hey! I, I bet you it wasn't bad. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely terrible. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, your stage name C two six, former gangster rapper torn, turned Catholic hip hop artist, evangelist, and apologist. So that's that's you know where we 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 can read that on your website. But we want to get to know you, man. So 
Who are you? How'd you grow up? Um, let's let's just get going through your life because you've had an intense life, and it's I feel like it's going to change some people's hearts today. Um, well, like you said, uh, I was you know involved in gangster rap prior to being involved in gangster rap. I, um, I, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, so uh, a lot of people are not aware that Fort Worth in the late '80s, early '90s was um the highest crime rate and murder rate per capita in the, in the nation Wow, a long period of time. Um, so there was a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of just craziness going on. And it was just really easy to get involved. Um, you know, whether it be through friends or family or, or whatever, you know, just stuff going on in the neighborhood or whatever, just real easy to get involved. So I kind of went down that path of, you know, getting involved with gangs and drugs and partying and all, all that whatnot, you know, I don't like to get too too into the gory details of it because uh, I think it's more about the journey and the and and the destination <laughs> as opposed to to where I came from. But like I said, just just to give people an idea, you know, uh, I mean, just during my high school years, I had 26 friends of mine that were murdered uh, for you know gang and drug violence. Wow, man, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, you know, that's intense. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Uh, a lot of those guys were were friends of mine, good friends of mine, and. And, uh, you know, uh, people kind of give gangsters or, or thugs, you know, a bad, bad rap, you know, may, maybe some was justified, but I think a lot of, a lot of times those guys are deep down inside are really good guys that would give you the shirt off their back, you know, or give you their last dollar if they had to, you know, just to give you something to eat or I, I've seen it, you know, it's, it's, so I, I try to try my best to kind of reach out to those guys and, and find that ray of light, you know, that, that ray of light and try to. You know, develop that and try to nourish that to you know help guide them back to the faith. Yeah, I think that's a um, I think that's a theme that's going to run through as I was you know kind of reading your bio and all these things. I think that's a thing that's going to be a thread throughout our conversation is that in the midst of even the darkness of your life and in, in the darkness of of this gangster lifestyle, like you said, there's still some light in that culture that I think you've been able to bring in to Catholicism, right? Getting like we, we talk about this all the time on the show. It's like test everything and retain what is true, good, and beautiful. So you've been able to, to retain what's true, good, and beautiful out of the out of this rap culture, this hip hop culture, without some of the negative things, right? So that's gonna be something that's gonna go through this entire our, our entire conversation. But um I I know you don't want to get into the details, but like what was what was faith like? How did you view faith? How did you view God when you were living this gangster lifestyle? You know what? The the funny thing is that I think it's a grace in and of itself that I I was never struggling with the idea of believing in God, right? My struggle was I didn't believe that God loved me. Wow. And I, you know, I, I always knew he was there, and I always believed in him. And, and I always had a, you know, a certain amount of, of reverence. Um, I just didn't believe he loved me. Just, you know, some of the things I, that I had been through in my life, you know, um, losing you know, friends, losing my, my parents. Um, uh, my mom died from cancer. You know, my, my dad passed away recently, you know, about four years ago. I just I just always struggled with the feeling, you know, that God doesn't love me <laughs> or maybe God doesn't care about me or whatever. And so um, that was kind of my view growing up. And so I was very nominal Catholic and this maybe even an, an overstatement. Um, we, you know, we went to church every Sunday. I did, I did my sacraments and everything. And, uh, um, but I don't recall anything that I learned in any of my CCD classes or my confirmation classes. And I was, I was busy, you know, trying to go party afterwards or trying to, trying to, you know, holler at the girl at the, at the at confirmation class that I liked or whatever it was, you know? <laughs> hey, I think that's the reason about 90% of guys go. I think there are 10% that are like good, holy kids in, in high school. The rest of us went because they were pretty girls. So I can understand that part of it for sure. Uh, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's like, I work with young people. It's heart wrenching to, for me to hear that you believe God was real. That wasn't the problem, but that you, you thought he didn't care for you, that he didn't love you. So like what changed, man? Cause I know that there are some people listening that might even struggle with that on a small scale or even a large scale. What changed? How did things change for you? Where did this conversion come from? Well, uh, kind of like I said, I, it's always been in the back of my mind and, and, and in my heart. And you know, like I said, my, my mother was a, a devout Catholic and my, my dad was kind of, kind of a nominal Catholic, but he was, he was Catholic and he, he, that was one thing that he did do is, is he did, you know, 
demand that we go to church every Sunday with our mom, even if he didn't go. <laughs> but he, he did make sure that we went. And so it was always it was always in the back of my mind. Um, doing the gangster rap stuff was crazy because I kind of was just doing whatever made money or whatever, you know, uh, popular or, you know, just as long as it was, it was, it was sounding good. I didn't care what I was saying. Right. And then we were asked to do a concert, in the old group that I used to be part of, uh, locally for about 1500 people. And they told me it was an all ages event and I wasn't sure what that meant. An all ages event. I was just like, pay me and I'll be there. <laughs> so I get there. Come to find out, an all ages event is pretty much just another word for a teen event, like a teen concert or teen show. So when we get there, it's about fifteen hundred people, but they're all between the ages of, they're all at the middle school and high school age. And I'm there, and and I was just like, man, you got to be kidding me! I don't have anything better to say to these kids than you know, smoke this and drink that and shoot this dude and <laughs> whatever we were saying, right? <laughs> All the craziness. I suddenly I feel like, I bad for the them. things I'm saying. What's happening to me? <laughs> exactly. It was it was the conviction that was just like that was a conviction that I had never felt. It was the first time that I really kind of saw what I was doing for what it was and the reality of what it was, and I was corrupting minds. That's basically what I was doing. And um it was just crazy because the kids listened to us and they really looked up to us and they knew all of our lyrics and you know, if we said jump up and down, they jumped up and down, you know. <laughs> Uh, said, you know, put your hands up. They put their hands up. You know, it was it was, it was crazy. And so I, I talked to the promoter in the backstage area. And I was like, dude, you should be ashamed of yourself, man. You got a bunch of gangster rappers rapping for kids. And this was actually, I think, kind of the defining moment. And I don't even know if he's aware of it. But he just looked at me and he was like, I'm not the one rapping it. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't that the like most common response of all of us? It's like... It's not exactly. my fault. It's your fault, you dummy. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I was kind of like point taken. Point taken. You're right. I should be ashamed of myself. And um, I'm sure I was laughed at the whole night and maybe even for you know, weeks following because I went to the VIP area. It was kind of like blocked off from everybody else. And I sat at our table and I sat there and I cried for like two hours straight, nonstop. Wow. I couldn't help it. I didn't know what came over me. Uh and I just prayed and I was just like, God, I don't know, you know, where you're calling me to or what, what's going on here. I know it's you. And, you know, um, I think that was the first time that I really felt like God loved me. So I was like, I, I can feel you trying to make a change in my life now. I can feel that conviction, you know? Yeah. So and I think that that's where it kind of overcame that. Yeah. So you had this intense moment of this conviction. So like, what were some of the the next steps where you actually started to feel this love from God and you started building this relationship with him that has built up over the last many years? Well, it actually took me uh, leaving the church for a little while. I know it sounds kind of ironic or kind of weird. Um, at the time, I was kind of, you know, talking to some some uh, Protestant brothers and some, you know, non-denominational Christians and, you know, no love lost for those guys. You know, they, they're, I still consider them brothers in Christ and everything. But they kind of, you know, taught me out of the Catholic church. And, and I started attending these, like, non-denominational churches or just pretty much any church that would... I was just basically church hopping, right? <laughs> and, you know, I, I loved God. And I, I was like, well, I, I got to start doing Christian rap. I can't do gangster rap anymore. And so I started trying to write songs only to find out that I... Like, I don't know anything about my faith. How am I going <laughs> to write about this if I don't know anything? <laughs> you sit down to write a song, you get like two lines in, you're like, what rhymes with God? <laughs> like, yeah, I, don't, exactly. I, don't, I don't know any other words for Christian stuff. That's it, hilarious. It, exactly. And so it was kind of like um, that. I was kind of like, I need, to, I need to fill my mind. I need to you know, get pray and study the word. And I need to go to church. I need to do anything I can do to, to to fill my mind with knowledge so I can actually rap about it and be authentic with it. Right. I mean, I can make generic songs, but I, I'm, I don't like making generic songs. Right. And so as I was studying, and I know this is a common, uh, a common theme with a lot of, of reverts or, or, or even converts, as I was studying, everything kept pointing me to Catholicism, everything. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, I got, I was challenged by somebody to read uh, the church fathers, right? Early church fathers. So I did. And uh, just a warning to anybody who's listening. If you read the church fathers, you will not stay away from the Catholic church for very long. You know, <laughs> I'll put that warning down. big in, and on the uh, description of the podcast, I'll make a big warning. If you listen to this hey. podcast, you might become or stay Catholic. Watch out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so what kind of sealed the deal for me though, in coming back to my, my, my cradle faith was that, um, I, I never really understood or it seems like I had never heard that we believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. When I, when I and keep in mind, I was about thirty years old already at this time. I'm I'm, I'm an old man now, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. But, I, I look old, so we got that going for us. <laughs> and so I was like, how do how did I never hear this? So how do I? This can't be true. We, we, I don't remember ever believing this as a kid or growing up. Um, and it was because I heard somebody from one of the churches I was going to. Uh, tell me the oil that you know Catholics believe that Jesus is in the in the Eucharist and not really and I was like no we don't believe that he's like yeah that's what, exactly what you believe and I was like okay well let me go find out and sure enough that's what we believe and I started trying to try to prove it wrong and only to prove to myself that it was true you know that Jesus is you know truly present in the Eucharist and and I just told myself I was like if that's Jesus. I, I can't just continue to say I love him and then turn around and walk away from the Eucharist, you know? Right. You no. know, go to another church because I like the way this guy preaches or because I like the choir or because I like whatever the case is, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, Jesus it, I, I think about that all the time. It's like, oh, the homily was terrible. The music was terrible. And I think of Jesus looking at me and saying, like, but to whom will you go? You know, it's like you could go get nice music or nice preaching, but you get me when you come to mass. I'm like, that's, that's, that's honestly what always has, has, has kept me Catholic. And, you know, I had a, a similar situation where you said you were you know seeking in the non-denominational Protestant world. And I did the same thing in junior high. I was, I was seeking for this um, real relationship with Jesus and I couldn't find it in, in the, in the Catholic church. And then I found that relationship in a non-denominational church. And I had a really, it's so crazy how many years apart, but similar story, it was the Eucharist for me, man. Like I was like, if this really is Jesus, then this is the church, and I and I came back. So it's 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 cool that we have that in common. I uh, I always wanted to to uh, feel like I was cool and and be a fake gangster, but uh, I never did. So you're a lot cooler than I am. Speaking of cool, I just have to I just have to take a side note. One of the things in your bio before we like we're, we're like getting out into your conversion time when you were in gangster rap. You played with you. You did an event with Bone Thugs and Harmony. I love Bone Thugs and Harmony. They're awesome. Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> Busy Bone was uh, probably like the face of the group for for Bone Thugs and Harmony. He's a he's a main guy. He was featured on one of our albums. Really? And then he yeah, and then he turned around and he uh, he asked us if we could use the song for his album, and he, so we signed him the, the the song over to him, the, the licensing and everything, and. He ended up using it on four different solo albums, <laughs> Dang, that's which is kind of cool. I love. Yeah, so, I, I, I tried. Also... That, I tried so hard. Can't seem oh, to yeah, get away yeah. from Missouri. I love that song, man. It's good times. Until just recently, both of us was the highest selling hip hop group of all time. No way. I uh, didn't. I didn't. Yeah, know. Just, Who took him over? Yeah, just, uh, Outcast. Oh, <laughs> my baby, don't mess around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we also did some work with Cypress Hill. Dude, uh, that's of course that's awesome. they're one of the elites as well as far as hip hop goes. Yeah, for sure. So that was that was pretty cool, and you know we we did a lot of stuff with like we we opened up shows for people like Fat Joe or you know Three Six Mafia or Ludacris and dude South Park Mexican from my Texas people. Yeah, <laughs> dude, this is yeah. this is a uh, we're talking about my childhood here, man. We really are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I was the white kid that wanted to be cool and try to fit in with the crowd. So, um. I want I want to get in, and what I want to do is we're about to have to go to a break, but could could you stick around for a few minutes after the break so we can keep talking? I have a few more questions for you. Definitely. Perfect. I got one more question before we hit the break. So I want to just, just kind of wrap up this conversation about where you didn't feel that God loved you. Like, when was that moment for you? You said you had this big conviction moment at the concert, but when was the first time that you realized that God loves you? I think it was that same night. Like I said, I was thinking that 
that was the first time I could actually feel him trying to draw me back to him. And I'm, I'm sure he was drawing me the whole time. But that was the first time I could actually feel it. Um, and it was tangible for me. And I, and I think that's why I was crying so much because I think that's when you realize that God loves you, it's, there's no greater feeling to know that God loves you, you know? Dude, that, that's so intense because like, in hearing the story, I would have assumed it would have come much later because you had this deep conviction. But I'm guessing that like you felt God's mercy even still. Uh, I, and that's, that's man, that's such a, such a cool story, man. So thanks for sharing. Um, stick around. We are going to uh, keep talking to you here in just a few minutes. I want to get into some of your music and I'll let the folks hear what, the, what kind of stuff you have for us. So um, I'm talking with Carlos Zamora. Um, we will be right back after the break. All right, we are back for our final segment of Forte Catholic for the evening. I'm talking with Carlos Zamora. He would join us in the in the last uh, segment, and we have so much to talk about that I asked him to stick around for a few more minutes, and he is very generous, and he is back with us again. So, uh, Car- Carlos, you are a Catholic hip-hop artist. We talked about your conversion. So here's what I want to talk about now. What was the impact that rap or hip-hop had on you before your conversion? How, like, how did it shape your life? How did it make you think? Like, what was the biggest thing that it did for you? I'm a hip-hop fanatic, and I have been since the first time I heard Run DMC in third grade. <laughs> and it was, just, it was just speaking my language, you know? It was, it was something I could relate to. I could feel it. It, was, you know, it. it felt like it was coming from where I was coming from. It felt like it was saying everything that was on my mind. It felt like it was it was just speaking to me, right? And so that was the impact that it had on me. It was it was just it was I mean it was, I just developed a passion for it, you know. The logical next question, especially with your conversion, that you had it at this concert where you were <laughs> you're doing this gangster rap for kids, and you were like, I can't do this, right? So like, yeah, yeah. what what impact do you think that this hip hop culture has on has on youth culture, for better or for worse? Um, you know, I mean, I hate to kind of like generalize, you know, um, but I think there are a lot of youth that, that can, can relate that do listen, especially, you know, in the, in the, I hate to say it, but in the urban and, and my, more minority communities where I think there is a, a lack of, 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 um, resources or, or ministerial effort. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that it's very helpful there, uh, but I think we also have to be authentic with it. Um, I think I was mentioning to you earlier that, that I think sometimes the church, not the, the church, but you know some of the church officials and church people, they kind of think we're we're trying to use hip hop as a as a ploy to to lure the unsuspecting listener into the faith, you know. And and if you're, you're doing it as that, then it's probably not being done right, you know. We're we're just making music from the heart. Hip hop is the music that we grew up listening to that we really feel like we can communicate through. Um, and we try to be authentic with it, you know, make it sounds like it's new. <laughs> it sounds modern. It sounds, um, it sounds real. It doesn't sound like just some watered down or just like it's you know a tool for evangelization. It's, this is actual art that's being used for evangelization. And so I think, you know, uh, even the kids who aren't so much into hip hop, I think they can appreciate good music or good art. Right. Yeah. Uh, even not even just the kids, I think even adults or young adults or adults, they can appreciate good music, good art, and and they can tell whether or not it's coming from the heart, whether or not it's authentic. And I think any any music, you know, especially hip hop, I think because it has more of an in your face type of a <laughs> type of feel to it, um, can be a great tool for evangelization. Great tool. It's it's so interesting you say that because I I work with young people, and one of the biggest things that they need and that they can see through is they need authenticity and they can see fake, man. So it's interesting that in your life, hip-hop has always been authentic for you. When you were living the gangster lifestyle, that's the rap you did. When you had a conversion and started living for God, that's the rap you did. You were always completely you in your art, and and there's something in that that is true, good, and beautiful. And speaking of the true, good, and beautiful, in in that transfer, in your your shift over into into Christian hip-hop, um, what parts of that lifestyle, what parts of hip hop were good 
that you brought over? And what were some of the unholy parts that you were like, let's get this out of here? Well, obviously, like anything that was vulgar <laughs> or, or, you know, promoted violence or, or you know, um, anything immoral, you know, leave that, leave that out. Um, something that I personally like, I like, I like lyrics a lot. I like artists to have well-planned out, well-thought-out lyrics. So the lyricism, I brought that over. Um, a great beat. I think people like to hear a great beat. So if you can have a, a great beat, I mean, it's, it's creativity. It's, it's art. You know, I mean, we're, we're all supposed to create, right? That's part of God's, uh, God's plan for us. And so that we brought that over. I think even some of the, uh, some of the imagery, because uh, as much as we don't like to admit it sometimes, I think we are kind of drawn to, to things that are similar to us. You know, people that sound like us or talk like us or they look like us or they <laughs> come from where we come from. So being able to kind of maintain some of the imagery um, that, that's not, you know, bad, uh, like like my bald head, for example, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's my shade bald head or, you know, just, you know, kind of wearing or maybe a little bit baggy clothes, or whatever, not, not sagging the pants, you know, down below your butt or anything like that. Thank but you. I appreciate that. It's a little bit of a bagginess <laughs> to it, you know, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, just the stuff like that, the, from the outside looking in, they can see you and be like, hey, you know what? This guy's not too much different than me. He, you know, he, he sounds like he's uh, coming from where I'm coming from. I, I can relate to that. And so I, I think that is something we brought over as well from, from doing the gangster rap. So, so what impact do you think hip-hop and the things that you're doing can have on the young people in the church? Oh, you know what? I think it can have a lot of impact. Um, just an example, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it here shortly, but we went to World Youth Day in, in Brazil in 2013. And we we performed over there. We had actually four, four or five different concerts throughout the week um, while we were there. And we had two groups of, of teens from Brazil. They formed their own Catholic hip-hop groups after that, after seeing what we did. Wow. And they've been posting videos and posting up music and stuff like that. And it's cool to see what they're doing now and, to, you know, to, to know that we were, you know, at least part of the reason why they, why they got started doing that. So I, I think, you know, it just... I think we just encourage people to be uh, to be excited about their faith and to not to not to be ashamed to express it and whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, it's interesting. It's so interesting how how God works, man. Because um, we planned on only having you for the second segment, and I had something planned for the third segment. What I had planned in the third segment is something that you just said. It was a Bible study I was doing the other day, and I learned that the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek root Greek roots of entheos, meaning in God. So that the more that you get into God, the more of God's spirit gets into you and the more impassioned you become. So like it's when you were passionate about hip hop, these kids were passionate about hip hop. And it's the moment that people realize I can use my passions, perfect them in God's light and and, and still use them. I I don't have you didn't have to give away hip hop when you became Christian. It continues to said that like when we get out of our comfort zone is when we grow and that we, we um, Jesus is a perfect example of using this passion. Like Jesus may have been yeah. meek and mild, but he also had a wild side. He touched lepers, which was, you couldn't do that. He celebrated Samaritans, stopped storms, exercised demons, ate with sinners, healed on the Sabbath, turned funeral processions into, into parades. And even the way he died, what's that week called? It's called Passion Week, right? Like, so God, yeah. God doesn't want to crucify our passions. He wants to resurrect them, right? He wants to, um, if we want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, his passion will refine us and, and define us. Um, he, yeah, he wants to use our passions for his purposes. So it's so cool to have you on because I think you're a perfect example of that and you're inspiring that in other young people. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, for sure. So, man, it's 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 so neat, neat. That's such that's the whitest thing I've ever said in the world. <laughs> it's so neat to have you on to talk about this gangster rep. Um, so, like your whole story, man, we, that we've talked through throughout the day. The fact that you can write at the end of your bio, you're a parishioner at Saint Bartholomew in Fort Worth, Texas, with a lovely wife of 18 years, two beautiful children, and you have a passion. There's that word again for working with yeah. underprivileged, at-risk youth troubled teens, gang members, prison ministry. It's so beautiful that you've taken your roots 
and and God has perfected them, and he's, you know, I'm sure he's still working on it, but you know what I mean, <laughs> you know, um, and, and using you to do great things. You mentioned some of the great things that God's using you for, um, uh, performed and ministering coast to coast, World Youth Day, like you mentioned in, in Brazil, which is just crazy to me. That's awesome. The National Catholic Youth Conference in 2015. You're doing that again this year. Uh, five albums released um, as a Christian artist available on iTunes. So check that out. C26. So here's what I want to do. A, go ahead. Go ahead. Having a little bit of a hard time hearing you. It's, it's cutting out just a little bit. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. It's, a, it's okay. No, no, no problem. It's okay. Uh, uh, this will all be on podcast. You can share it with your friends and they can hear it that way. Okay. So here's I got what, you now. I, I, I can hear you now. Cool. Can you hear me now? Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want to do. I, I want to, instead of just talking about it, I want to sh- uh, let people listen to your music. We're, we're going to listen to Feels Good, but before we do, I want you to just kind of introduce this song. Tell us what it's about, then we'll give it a listen. I actually wrote this song um, from the experience that we talked about earlier when I, when I, for the first time, I felt like God loved me, right? Um, and it was the greatest feeling I had ever felt in my life. And so with the song, isn't it about the experience per se, but it's about, you know, when you, when you realize that, when you know that God loves you, nothing else feels better. And, and so I basically go through the line of all the things that I love in life, you know, and say that God's love is even better than those things. So, for example, homemade tamales, you know. Oh, man. God's love is better than that, you know. It's close. So it's a close one, but I think does. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the song basically is about. And that's. It was based on that, from that experience. Cool. We're going to go ahead and give it a listen. All right. It's your boy C26. We feeling real good because we know that we're loved by God. And God's love is amazing. Let us know what it feels like. It's better than some homemade tamales. And it's better than a plate full of beans and no bonnet. Yeah. It's better than the money that I made moving yachts. Our God is just great, pero ya tu sabes. It's better than a 6-4 with a top down. Catching a breeze, riding through Funtown. It's better than your favorite rapper of all time. And better than the Tupac albums all combined. It's better than the day when you get off parole. And better than the day when our troops come home. It's better than a Powerball lottery ticket. With the winning numbers and nobody else hit it. It's better than a cold brew when it gets hot. One day off of work playing on the Xbox. I'm feeling God's love because I'm full of His grace. It made me want to spread it all over the place, and that's real. It feels so good to know that you're loved by God. Let me hear you say, hey, hey. It feels so good to know that you're loved by God. Let me hear you say, hey, hey. It feels so good to know that you're loved by God. Everybody say, hey. No doubt, his love is amazing. It's better than the first day of summer vacation. It's better than an Escalade or a Range Rover. Or paying all the bills with money left over. It's better than a day in the sun at the beach. Or them checks that you cash on the first and fifteenth. It's better than you feel when you get debt free. Or watching a kung fu flick by Bruce Lee. It's better than a drive through window with no waiting. Or day in this rap game where haters ain't hating. It's better than a brand new pair of Air Jordans. Or sliced up cake and you got the large portion. It's better than your first date or your first kiss. Or getting every present on your Christmas list. I'm feeling God's love because I'm full of His grace. It made me want to spread it all over the place. And that's real. That's awesome, man. I love that song. It, it like perfectly encapsulates your story, everything we've been talking about today. 
dude, uh, let's get people. I I feel like people are really going to enjoy our conversation. So let's get people connected to you, man. How can people listen to your music? How can people find you on the internet? How can people find you on social media? All that stuff. Well, the easiest thing to do is probably just to Google me. The letter C, the number two, and six is spelled out. So it's C2SIX. You'll find links to my my Facebook, my, my YouTube my Instagram, my Twitter, all that type of stuff. Music's available on iTunes and pretty much almost every, um, um, I'm sure I'm looking for every outlet, every online outlet, right? And then also we've got a a foundation. It's it's not my my personal page, but we do have a a foundation, Pandora. Um, So if you go on Pandora and just look up foundation, you'll you'll find our music as as well on, on Pandora. Yeah, that's fantastic. You, and I, I know you uh, you just released a new uh, video on YouTube. Why don't you explain that a little bit? Oh, if you go to that's at Foundation YouTube. So you might want to uh, Google Foundation as well. F-O-N, I'm sorry, F-O-U-N-D-N-A-T-I-O-N, Foundation, Catholic Rap, you know. And uh, we have a new video called I Wonder. Uh, it, was, it was filmed in Chicago. Um, it was actually with the help of, or in association with El Padrecito Ministries. Father Marcel Gonzalez, shout out to him. Um, and uh, we filmed it in Chicago. And so we were out there and it's, it's called I Wonder. And it's basically just talking about, you know, how, man, no matter how many times we fall, you know, God keeps calling us back to to, to use us, you know, to for, for his purposes. And I'm kind of like talking about, I wonder why he keeps calling me back as as, as wretched of a sinner as I am. <laughs> you know, keep calling me back and, and, you know, keep having mercy on me. So that's what it's about. It's um, uh, there's some some materialistic imagery on it, but that's purposely done because it's you know we're talking about the struggles we've had. You know, sometimes it's a material struggle. Some might have you know, with one one particular person on the song it's about alcohol and whatnot. But you know, uh, you know, don't don't you gotta look past that. <laughs> you gotta look past that. I got. I got you, man. Dude, thanks so much for coming on. I really, really enjoyed talking to you, getting to know you a little bit. And you have such a powerful story. You've got, you've got a, powerful, uh, a powerful music, man. And, and just thank you. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with no, me. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Look forward to our, our next conversation. <laughs> Dude, it, it's going to happen. It really is going to happen. So uh, before you go, we were talking about social media, and you do this thing on Facebook, these dad jokes. And they're like either oh. absolutely tremendous or absolutely terrible. So I have a Christian dad joke for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. We, we scheduled this, this interview, and I've been saving this just for you. I was sitting in mass, and I thought of you. When, uh, a few, okay. few weeks ago, we had the, the gospel reading of my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I just mm-hmm. read your, uh, your Facebook post. So I said, how does Jesus like his eggs? Yokes over easy and light. All right, there you go. That's just for you. <laughs> Everybody hey. else is going to hate me, but uh, that's that's for you. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode, me sharing my heart in, in the first segment. I'm just so thankful for, for all the things that God's doing in me for the first time. It feels like, at least it feels like, in weeks and months. And uh, So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, check out the show on iTunes. Go to ForteCatholic.com. You can find all the shows. You can find links to all of Carlos's stuff. We'll be back next week. See ya!